Hello everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of the Pearl Dialogues. My name is Wazi and today I have a conversation with Jamie Baldwin, who is a teacher of the Diamond Approach. For those of you who are new to this work, the Diamond Approach is a teaching, a spiritual teaching that is oriented towards exploring the nature of reality with curiosity, with love and sincere interest in what's going on what is this place so today we talk about what it means to be human ordinarily human and simultaneously having this curiosity this interest for this depth and understanding reality the only term that we use that some of you may be unfamiliar with is the term superego other names for that is the inner critic or the inner parent or the inner judge. So it's basically the part of our psyche that seeks to keep us in our place, in our box, to maintain the status quo. And it can often express itself as comparative judgment, self-evaluation and trying to meet certain standards and it often leads to a sense of deficiency and a sense of inadequacy when we're not living up to this ideal of who we should be and the standards that we've learned throughout our lives. It is something that we all have, so it's a very hot topic when it comes to personal development, when it comes to the process of becoming more free and authentic human beings. With that, I say thank you, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Yeah, being here with you, I feel such a sweetness. Uh, yeah, me too. It's really touching. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that touches me. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Yeah, so I'm curious. Being a human being, <laughs> being a human being on this planet, yeah, in this world, hmm. Hmm. I can connect with myself in the sense that this morning I came out of a class teaching younger children who. And like I told you before we came on, age 9, 10. And yeah, I'm really amazed by this process of growing up from child to adult. And I also remember feeling a bit tired, actually, uh, in the classroom because the dynamic was quite challenging to handle. And certain children were not in a position of wanting to sit still and, and do what was planned by the original teacher. I was working as a substitute teacher. And then I'm in this dilemma of, on one end, I see, okay, so these children, many of them want to play, they want to unfold, they want to expand, they want to... Pff, dance around while I'm there and we're supposed to learn Norwegian today. I, I live in Oslo. We're supposed to Norwe learn Norwegian and 
the instruction is to sit at their desk and do what you're told you could say and if one child if if one child uh, erupts you could say then that ripples into the whole classroom and suddenly the whole field becomes you could say that the noise level raises and things start to become unmanageable somehow from the context of being in an environment where we're supposed to learn a curriculum. Um, yeah. Yeah. So are you wondering what I make of that or how I think about that or yeah what do you make of that what's, what's, yeah. what's your understanding of that what's your yeah what do you make of that yeah I mean what I'm thinking of and what I'm sensing and appreciating is the human journey you know for all of us and how we're basically we start out you know as just a natural baby and there's no world really we're just we're just in the beingness of being ourselves and just the aliveness and natural organic process starts to happen and kick in. Mm. And we become human beings psychologically, you know, and we're basically wild animals. And, you know, there's all these drives and pain and pleasure and, you know, shying away from pain and going for pleasure and just being our animal selves and, you know, how we learn how to become civilized. And actually there's a world that we have to contend with. And, you know, so we have these social norms and we have things to learn and concepts and things like that. And so I'm thinking of you as like a, 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 husbandry of children you know like trying to tame them and try to kind of contain and and there's this dance between the wildness that doesn't want to be killed off but also how to how to like be in the world and not just bite each other or you know just jump up in the middle of a context where it's not appropriate you know and that's what i think of is the learning how to live in a box together without attacking each other or, you know, um, not meeting the meet needs of each other in that development. That makes sense. That does make sense. And yeah. it's such, uh, an interesting and very fine balance of, particularly when it comes to children of setting appropriate boundaries and simultaneously yeah. not stifling their joy or stifling their their flow you could say in whatever way that my may manifest yeah yeah and i would i would say that some of that has to happen it has there has to be a separation like i think of uh the classic thing of having to sit in church you know and behave yourself and not make noise and a kid is just wanting to make noise and you have to go against your own instinct your own sense and you have to like disconnect to some degree and that has its place actually mm. you know but as adults we have to unpack all of that 
Yeah, I like that you say that. I do like that you say that because in the context of being a teacher, I do notice how I am. I can be quite stern when it's needed and I see the validity and the usefulness of that. And also, I would say to a large extent, they, when I think back to being in class, they respond to being stern, not necessarily in a bad way. It's just that they respond to that either by being quiet or challenging my my um, mm-hmm. my suggestion or challenging my my approach. And mm-hmm. however, what I do feel is a very significant element is the unconditional love that can be in the room and mm-hmm. be the context or the field that holds all the interaction and the exchanges that happens inside of the classroom and how that provides the whole space with a quality of both trust and allowing and possibility. Uh, So that seems to me to be a very significant element. I'm feeling that your kids are lucky to have you around to be exposed because you have the awareness of the unconditional love, the, the love and presence of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your journey with this being in school growing up? How, how's your journey been with, with all of that? Um, you know, I had a pretty, I, I, you know, everyone has their, journey, right? And mine was basically a pretty good one. Um, But I had a few things that were big challenges. One that was interesting is I, to me is uh, I grew up in Hawaii. So um, I was the only white kid in my class. And um, so I felt ashamed of my white skin. So sort of the reverse of most of the United States, I felt out of place because of my color uh, and being too white and um, felt self-conscious about that. Uh, There were some things culturally where I just clearly came from a white family. And so that was, uh, that was, I think had some gifts to it in that it was humbling and I had to find my way. Um, At the same time, it was you know, it brought a lot of self-consciousness and that kind of thing. Um, so there's that. And I was also a gay boy. So I'm a gay man. And I felt, you know, like I wasn't the right way. And I was wired differently. And I shouldn't be. And I was very aware of that. So um, I think of those things, you know. I notice me. I notice myself being very moved and touched by you sharing your story somehow and sharing who you are and yeah, there's this this sweetness that comes to me when you share and speak your truth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder about, you know, I was thinking before we met and are doing the podcast about how 
I've encountered people in the Diamond Approach School thinking that teachers are like, you know, uh, somehow don't have these kinds of histories or something like that. And uh, it's, I mean, everyone has their stories and their suffering and that that actually is a gateway to really finding out who we are and what is this and can instigate an inquiry into ourselves and like what's going on here and what's happened to me and these this kind of material everyone has versions of this yeah for me the first word that comes to mind when you speak of this is our humanness and humanity and as human beings how we all all have that sense of humanity and yeah. anyone who has explored the spiritual terrain or the terrain of personal development within that context um, are probably aware of the possibility of bypassing or <clears throat> negating that aspect of ourself. Mm -hmm. um, and over the last couple of years, I've grown more and more in appreciation of that aspect of myself and that aspect of others. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. 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 The element of vulnerability, the element, and actually what we're speaking of here links to what you were sharing, of sharing your truth, sharing of your experience of growing up, saying that you had an overall good childhood, but you have had some big challenges that you had to work through mm -hmm. and how that, um, yeah, it's such a natural thing to have for all of us. Yeah. 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 So one thing I want to share, um, I haven't watched the other podcasts, so I don't know if it's talked been talked about, but you know, in the diamond approach, this, um, one of the profound teachings of the superego, the inner parenting that goes on. And I think of you as a teacher and, you know, the teaching kids how to be civilized is a kind of parenting, a kind of uh, rules and regulations. And you can't just run around like a wild animal that you have to, you know, and this gets taken inside, right? And then we we end up um, parenting ourselves and then we become adults. And that mo most people are trying to work out a good relationship to that parenting and being ourselves. And then, you know, that dynamic, um, people tend to, that's the end. And that can we get to a place where we just move beyond those difficulties. And what I have discovered is it's not about moving beyond them, but going into these vulnerabilities and really being in it and allowing it and not having a parenting that says, okay, make this a good situation that's workable, which has its place in, as kids, but as adults to go back there again and say, wait a minute, what 
really was going on and not to get away from the suffering or the difficulties, but to actually explore them, appreciate the vulnerabilities and the humanness. And we all have that. And the beauty of just being human, having our suffering and feeling into it from an adult place where we've learned enough and have enough support, enough grounding just to fully be here and then the suffering will reveal itself naturally as we relax into ourselves. Because it wants healing, it wants understanding. Yeah, this again, I feel links in with this notion of uh, growing up. And for me, what you're speaking of is a kind of education, how educating ourselves to become both like friendly with our experience, to become inclusive of our experience, to um, meet up and also be empowered in the sense that we can discern between what is a, um, what is um, an attack and what is actually an appropriate response. Uh, you know, talking about the superego that we're or and the inner critic that we're uh, that we're able to discriminate between. Ah, oh, actually, here there is someone attacking me and. Uh, that is not really a good way for, that's not a good behavior. And I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to receive that in that way. Uh, so there's something about uh, being educated into how to be an adult human being. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's really been a focus of mine lately has to do with um, relaxing. So, when we relax that inner critic the inner parent sometimes it doesn't even feel critical it just feels like i know what needs to be done i know what has to happen so i'll do what i need to do to get that there and the shift into just relaxing listening to our experience opening up meaning that we don't know what we need to do. We need to understand what to do as a kid, but now it's actually not needed. That is, to me, that is profound. Just to allow our experience to inform what needs to happen rather than an inner parent. Mm. That's just a beautiful shift and a profound one. Mm. And as you're speaking about this, actually, I noticed that I feel that my own superego is actually active in this moment and it's linked to me um, previously having criticism or I, I've, I've, I've watched through previous episodes of this podcast and yeah. in this idea of wanting to develop or improve i can also see how the superior come in and can be a little bit debilitating for me you see, you see yeah. so one thing okay. is that of of wanting to develop and wanting to improve and then the edge of that becoming a negative attack of sorts that can create a sense of uh, contraction dissociation and so forth do you see where i'm coming from Absolutely, because I have my own versions, you know. 
Yeah. I think everyone can relate if they're honest. I mean, absolutely. And this, uh, you know, one side of the superego is this, these ideals, right? Wanting to do better, wanting to do really well. And how that happens as a kid is by parenting ourselves and learning from outer authorities who tell us this is how you do it. We rebel against that. We retreat from that. We obey it without liking it. Or sometimes it's like, hey, that actually worked. Got me what I wanted, you know, all of that. And then as an adult, it's like, oh my God, I'm still doing that. (laughs) And to be better, you know, it's such a kind of counterintuitive direction to say, okay, just to be with the wanting of that is enough. It's like, what? How would that be enough? But that's the truth of the experience, right? I want to do better. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is this is such a an important topic nowadays. This notion of wanting to improve, to develop, particularly in a Western society, in the manifest in so many different ways, on social media, in school, this idea of improving and becoming better somehow. So how do you see the balance in that? How do you see the balance of actually orienting oneself and or the process of growth versus this other aspect of, you could say, becoming negative or, or, or critic, um, um, criticizing of oneself and for that to become more of a burden? Well, I feel that the impulse for more and better is really uh, a desire for true freedom. We all really want to be free and happy. And the true happiness, you know, isn't located in that direction that we need to develop in childhood, that that's a piece of it. But then as adults, to come back into ourselves And we have to recognize the parenting has done its job and recognize the difference between those messages and who we really are. And go right to where we are, whatever our experience is. And that it's so radical to realize if I don't fix anything, what I truly desire will open and whatever's truly needed will show up. Hmm. Yeah. And it really, again, brings me in touch with my own current experience. It was so interesting how when we came into this space, there was this sweetness in the field. And then now we've um, started talking. I, st- I still feel the sweetness. At the same time, I notice how my superego is coming in in terms of um, like performance, assessing my performance in terms of the podcast, how I'm facilitating, and how that actually is a bit de- debilitating. And and makes me contract a little bit somehow. So how about if you just 
say no to that? How can you disengage from that? Mm. Yeah. So... When I really tune into myself, there is this sense of presence of simply being here. Mm. However, in that there is a sense of openness and spaciousness fundamentally, and mm. there aren't that many thoughts coming up, you know? And at the same time, there is this idea of wanting to create a an, an engaging conversation that is interesting for people. And do you know what I mean? <laughs> Such a, I, I hear you. You know, I'll tell you what I'm, please, what I'm, please, what please. I'm uh, thinking is it might be useful. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm interested what happened to the critical, inner critic kind of you need to do better. What happened to that? Where'd it go? What'd you do? What did you do something or not? Or. Yeah, so I did do something. I, I I simply saw it and came into or landed in myself in a way that I felt was, hmm, I just said no to it and uh-huh. allowed myself to drop into my experience with and left the narrative of having to perform, left the narrative of having to create something and allow myself to be so there was a kind of surrender to to what is actually happening for me beautiful you know one one thing i'm thinking about that um i think is so amazing about this is you know just the truth of who we are and what we're made of the, the actuality of ourselves has these different qualities different kind of ways that they exist and move through us and this inner critic is using it's made up of us right and so this no can seem like oh i'm just you know shutting out a part of my consciousness but it that's not what's actually happening it's not letting it form into these formed thoughts and dynamics from childhood that had their place unless it was abuse or something like that. You know, there's complications in that, but to actually say, no, when you say you landed, it's like, I, I would hypothesize that. And the understanding is that the, the actual consciousness that makes up those thoughts returns home to just being you. And so nothing is lost, actually. It's just aligned with a further development of what's possible for a human being to not be under the thumb of an agreeable inner critic or a disagreeable inner critic. The inner critic always has an opinion if you just see it for what it is, it's an opinion, an awareness of that, it can just open up, especially 
and in the diamond approach, a big part of it is embodiment, you know, and sensing and feeling what's really here. Such a rich opportunity for all of us right where we are. I agree. I totally agree. And again, I feel it really brings in the notion of relaxation, relaxing into being or relaxing into our experience. I remember a long time ago, uh, a teacher saying, why don't you just go in the water and float? Just float. I feel myself to be floating now in some sense. And it's very interesting because my my mind feels or my head center feels relatively open and more spread out than in a channel of attention, you could say. Um, okay. So there's more uh -huh. like peripheral awareness that is more relaxed and laid back. And at the same time, I can feel our conversation and the relation that is happening and the engagement that is happening. What is happening for you in this moment? Uh, I feel engaged, interested. I was just thinking, so we're, we're playing with inquiry, you know, exploring our experience and how does that fit with teaching and what can be offered in the podcast? And um, I just let that sit in me as a kind of uh, orb or ball in my head and just kind of goes down and the light and simplicity. I just feel simple, happy. Yeah. Appreciating your open, you know, when you said open, I said, I wonder what that means. Because mm. you're still thinking, you're not having the, you know, there's something about that. So I'm interested, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Feeling empty. Mm. Yeah, so, and, and, and feeling empty, it's an interesting one. Um, some people listening to this may be thinking, empty, what's that? What, what do you mean by empty? Uh, uh, what do I mean by empty? It's like a secret um, that I can speak to, but I don't think I can actually accurately name, but I don't experience that I'm here and yet I'm here at the same time it doesn't make sense in the mind but I'm not here that's what I mean by empty there's no fixed me that exists uh, doesn't 
really exist. It's not my experience. Uh, there isn't someone having an experience uh, that the experience is the experience. That's it. Very simple. <laughs> and it paradoxically makes room for me to feel ordinary human, like a regular person. And I feel appreciation for and delight in the freedom of this. It's possible. And what's been your journey of arriving in that sense of simplicity? If you, if you can describe it to be a journey, because I noticed that that sense of simplicity uh, is quite rare nowadays. Most people are living comp rather complex life, and there is so many identities, and there are so many ideas of oneself. And here you're speaking of not really having a fixed sense of identity, a sense of yeah. not being here, yet at the same time being being here in a very real, palpable, and also ordinary way. Yeah, you know, I just I just came out of a retreat recently, and I had a uh, an insight during the retreat, and I'm thinking of it now as, um, you know, it becomes, it, it's been confusing for me, like, well, I'm living in this complicated world, uh, how is this possible if I don't exist, really? It's a emptiness. And I thought of a metaphor of like a, an actor who is acting a role and fully in the role. But if they ever check, they know they aren't that person. That it's a construct, nothing wrong with it. It's interesting, it's what's happening fully being lived, yet in the moment, yet not really you, something like that. Mm. Yeah. So the journey, I mean, I appreciate what you say. Is it a journey? Because what I realize is as a little kid, I, I was free. Uh, I just didn't have the consciousness of it. And uh, I don't know, I just for some reason right now, I think of a avocado tree in my yard and the magic of it. And I used to go under that tree and, you know, uh, just be marveling at the world and uh, not having words for that. And who knows? how everything happened, but I will say there was a pivotal moment in my life that was a broken heart. I was in a relationship and it broke up and I was really devastated from it. And I had done everything I had learned of how to live a good life. And I applied everything I was taught as best as I could. And I realized I failed, it wasn't working. And I just kind of cracked open and uh, 
uh, touches me and I, I can feel the crack. And uh, I remember just opening up and saying, help, I need help. I just, I don't get it. And uh, that was so powerful and such a shift. And uh, all of a sudden support started pouring in. And I threw myself into therapy and spiritual practice. And um, I went through some workshops that were profound uh, openings, uh, realizing uh, conditioning, things like that. And uh, that was a pivotal shift for me. The utter failure, you know. I can actually relate to that experience in my own way in terms of how my journey started with the beginning of my inquiry into the nature of things, the deeper nature of things, the true nature of things, and also being in a situation of feeling a very deep sense of meaninglessness and a very deep sense of frustration about that meaninglessness and the different layers to that and how that catalyzed a kind of opening or an epiphany or an insight into I am, I, I am, or the insight was very clear. It was, I am what I am, but what am I? But I'm very moved. That being said, I'm very moved by mm. your crack. And uh, it led me to the, and from what I heard, that was the genesis or the beginning of your journey. So that was quite early on before you stepped into like, the, the theme or the notion of spirituality and personal development or how was that when was that for you actually i uh <clears throat> i aesthetically was attracted to spiritual work before that okay. uh, but it it had a different feeling to it a different kind of um i was trying to get somewhere and in a way that was um, acquisitive, like trying to acquire uh, something. I, of course, that's that's been something that happens throughout. But in this failure, I was humbled in a way where I really could learn because I really opened and had to admit to myself, I, I had misunderstandings. Up to that point, I thought, well, I, I get it. And I'll just keep doing what I do and do meditation and things like that. But, um, That's a very interesting yeah, shift that you're speaking of from being more in an inquiring mentality and building and then be coming to that space of utter helplessness uh, that you yes. referred to. Yes, and you know, I did a psychodrama uh, weekend uh, soon after that. And uh, 
basically did a psychodrama where I was the main one doing the work and there was a group and um, we did, I did a psychodrama on my, my, my uh, self-esteem and I could see there was a, you know, it revealed a polarity. Every positive had a negative, every single one, like, oh, I'm great, oh, I'm lousy. And then there was a manager, a super ego, an inner critic, and it all got embodied by everyone in the group and everyone played characters. And it blew my mind. <laughs> like uh, in a wonderful way. And the, the key was the, the inner parent, I separated and divorced myself from that parent and stood at the doorway and everything opened. And uh, it's powerful. The facilitator said, she, we're standing in the doorway, which is quite a metaphor. And I had actually left the room. <laughs> then I came back to the doorway and she stood there with me and she looks at me and says, look, that's your mind. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, could you unpack that even further for me? Like that is your mind. How did that? What? How did that land in you? And how do you see that from from where you're at now? What happened there? Well, one thing I remember is I remember feeling each of the characters like they were so familiar to me. I knew them so intimately, so I was actually in contact with them more. It's not a leaving of them. It's actually an intimacy through understanding the actuality of these characters. Then it's uh, paradoxically a freedom from them. They're not uh, just being lived out unconsciously. So for me, it ties in with the humanness that uh, we don't have to reject anything. This is actually the portal, the, the vehicle for our own liberation from distortions and not really being here in reality, you know, like, the more we understand what's happening, rather than transcending it, leaving it, getting better than it, if we just relax into it with curiosity, wanting to understand, it, everything opens up the way it needs to. That's such a beautiful transmission. 
Isn't it wonderful? It is so beautiful and so wonderful. And the allowing that is implicit in that and the freedom that is implicit in what you share. We don't have to reject anything. No. It actually brings me to the song that you brought or that ah. calling you. So shall we play that song? Yeah, let's play it. A desert road from Vegas to nowhere Someplace better than where you've been A coffee machine that needs some fixing In a little cafe just around the bend Coffee machine 
I just love that song. <laughs> oh man, I don't have words. I don't have words. Yeah. Seems to fit with what we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so well. Yeah. And it brought up my vulnerability in this moment as well, and how yeah. I feel very vulnerable in the in 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 this moment somehow in, yeah. in the sense of feeling like I've I've, I've come in touch with a, an internal sense of deficiency that is in my system, mm. and how that's been active over the last couple of hours, and actually before I came onto the podcast as well. So I'm noticing how. There is a process happening inside of me, a sense of inadequacy somehow that is in 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 my system, which in, brings me to myself, but also feels feels as if it removes me from myself because there is something something going on that makes me or a part of me disconnect somehow from my sense of myself. Yes, in the fullest way, the, fu the the fullest way of myself, you could say, and the and the free flow of my being when there mm -hmm. is 
when that obscuration or that hindrance is not there, you could say. Mm. Yeah. How beautiful that you can speak to it and let it be here, at least to some degree. Yeah. It feels to me that the song maybe helped with that. It was straight to the heart, I feel, straight to my soul. Uh, such wow. a soulful song, huh? Yeah. Yeah. What did it evoke for you? Um, well, her voice is so um, full and yet free and yet refined and uh you know the movie it's from a movie called the baghdad cafe and it's about what she's singing in the song that just around the bend in a little cafe is a coffee machine that needs some fixing and the baby's crying and a hot dusty wind is blowing through you know it's just life it's just like a person's life and it's right around the bend and it's calling her because her freedom is located in this ordinary human simple little life you know and it's just the calling and she's calling herself it's coming from her depths calling her just to be here not sleeping that great, you know, just ordinary problems. And the way she sings it in such a grand way, you know, like gives it the honor it deserves. <sighs> just like your vulnerability, you know, and the contractions and then the, just the, it, it deserves this grand uh, honoring. I bow to that. Yeah, me too. I me bow too. to that. Mm. Thank you so much, Jamie, for having this conversation. It feels yeah, an honor to be here with you and share yeah. space with you and so much sweetness. It's uh, really, really touching to feel your essence, to feel your soul. And I feel it's a gift to, to really have met you in this way. Thank you so much. I feel the same. Yeah. yeah. What a delight. <laughs>